Makes you feel like you just go home after that. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you, Sniffy. Thank you, everyone. Hello, everybody. Um, good morning. Yes, I'm Jackie Lewis, and if you're here for the first time, on behalf of all of our family, I want to welcome you here. We're baptizing a beautiful baby boy today, so I want to welcome the family of our baby. Thank you so much for coming. And if you're visiting anyone who's here for the very first time, would you raise your hands so our ushers can come by and give you a card? Hello, baby girl. Where are you from? From the West Village. Okay. Who else? Where are you from? West Village. I love when you come all the way from the West Village. Where are you from? From where? Oh, good. Nice to see you. Thank you for coming from Westchester. Who else is visiting? Where are you? Okay, where are you from? Where? France. We have a new. Thank you for coming. Where are you from? For Washington Collegiate. All right. Bring our brothers down. Anybody else? We're so... Somebody else. I just can't see. Hi. Where are you from, ma'am? Brooklyn. Woo! Brooklyn's in the house. Thank you all for coming. That you're here today means a lot to us. It makes it a beautiful space. 
Um, so we want to stay in touch with you. There are some black pads on some pews. Um, if you see them and you pass them, that'd be awesome. If not, there's a green card, and we're trying to figure out which works better. So we're experimenting. This is the card to use to let us know how to be in touch with you. If you don't get a weekly email from us, we'd like to send you one. So please let us know how to find you. I want to let you know a couple of things. Um, this afternoon, under the scaffolding, our middle acting troupe is doing a performance this afternoon. It's free. Yay! Um, original music. Uh, our wonderful volunteer, Harold Slazer, makes that happen. So I hope you'll stick around. Um, yes, that's exactly right. Tomorrow at 7.30, Madge Dietrich is going to have a magical concert that will help raise money for LGBTQ justice. Here at Middle Church, Madge, wave your hand so everybody knows who you are. So be sure to come today for some beautiful art. Come tomorrow for beautiful art. We believe art changes things. If you have uh, any interest in helping with the street fair, Marta is having a street fair meeting today after worship at 1.15, I think, on the fourth floor. So uh, we'd love to have you help us. Our street fair raises money for our justice program, so we'd love to have you. Our children are in the house singing today. Woo! And with that, I'm going to ask the family of the lovely and gifted Ronan Cash Barajas to come. Yay! He's clapping. Hi! Hello! Ronan just had a birthday. He's one years old. Happy birthday to you. Lakendra and Ross and anybody that wants to come. Family, you can come. Hello, godparents. We're going to go up here together. I forgot to print the baptism words. Okay. So Marta's going to offer a prayer for the family. So at Middle Church and, and, and in Protestant churches and churches, Catholic churches all over the land, we celebrate the ritual of baptism. Now, in some contexts, we only baptize adults because adults can say, yep, I know there's a God. But in our tradition, we baptize adults and children because we believe that before babies have language, God has already claimed them. God has claimed them even when they are in their mother's wombs. God already knows. God has created them exactly as they are. So we baptize adults and children to say we're having a new start in life or to say we're being made clean from anything that hampers us and to say, especially for all the little people, just like a good bath, God is refreshing us and restoring us and renewing us and making us whole. Yes, you, especially you. Especially you. So Psalm 139 tells us that we're awesomely and wonderfully made. That's right, Rona. That's exactly right. So let us pray. God, for all the ways that you draw us to you, for the blessing of clean water, when some are less fortunate, and for your claim on our lives, we give you thanks. And we especially give you thanks for the little life that came out of the love of Ross and LaKendra.
Thank you for Ronan. Thank you for his godparents. And thank you for this community of faith. And we ask that we can walk with him as he grows in your love. Amen. Amen. So godparents and mommy and daddy, we have a question. Y'all come a little closer. Come a little closer. We have a question for you. Will you, will you, LaKendra and Ross, raise Ronan to know that he belongs to God? Teach him about grace and forgiveness? Help him to live a life of faith? If so, say, we will. And will you, godparents, will you be friends with little Ronan and be a place where he can come for questions and answers and support him and have his back and pray for him? If so, say, we will. And Marta's got a question for the congregation. Middle Church, will you take Ronan as your own to love, to encourage, and support him? If so, say, we will. We will. Okay, Mommy, will you hold that for me? Yes. So I can hold this. You, in the name of God, whom Jesus called Abba, Daddy, in the name of Jesus the Son, <laughs> who welcomed all the children, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, who is always going to love you and always be your friend. Amen. Amen. You want to go say hi to those people? Let's <laughs> And I know all of you know it. Woke up this morning with my mind. Stay on freedom. Woke up this morning with my mind. Stay on freedom. Woke up this morning with my mind. Stay on freedom. Uh -huh.
prayer of thanksgiving. Ooh, thank you, God, for waking us up this morning. Thank you, God, for giving us the gift of our children and the gift of our elders. Help us as we seek to care for all of them and each other. We give you great praise and thanksgiving for this dynamic place. Amen.
because it's time for the message for all ages. Yes, 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 yes. Please come. Please come, come. Hey, hi, sweetie, bring your backpack and come on up here. Come on up. I'm so glad to have, come on up, baby girl. Do you want to come? Okay, who knows what I just did? What just happened? Well, hello. What just happened to baby Ronan? What just happened to the baby? What happened? He got baptized. Yes, yes. Yes, he did. And I think, I think he had fun when it happened to him. Yeah, Dominic. Who knows what baptism means? What? Oh, Carl, oh. What does it mean? Baptism means when you when when like it, God is to, it's like um when it's a symbol of God telling you to start to start clean. So it's like He's giving you a nice warm bath. I love that, and I'm done. <laughs> Carlo, did you want to tell me what baptism means? Uh, you scrub with shampoo. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. You want to say more? It means that that you take the bath. It does mean that. Baptism comes from a word, a Latin word, that means a worship bath. Yeah. Baptism, baptismo, means to wash. So sometimes we wash with shampoo, sometimes we wash with bubble bath, and sometimes we wash with plain water. And to quote Dominic, baptism is a worship bath. This kind of clean, this kind of bath, this kind of wash. I'm not as exciting as they are. This kind of bath, this kind of wash means that you belong to God. This means you belong to God. Now, Pastor Derek would tell us that sometimes people get baptized by putting their whole bodies in the water. Sometimes it's a bathtub at the church. Sometimes it's a river outside, and they put their whole body in the water. And that's how they get baptized. And then they jump back out of the water, and they've been baptized. Stand up with me, though. Come over here, and I'll tell you what we do. In our, do you think I could get a whole person in here? Could I get a whole person? No, I can't get a whole person in here. So a little, maybe a teeny tiny baby we could put their bottom in there. But why don't you touch this water with me? Be very careful. Can you touch that? Let me, let me kind of stand over here while you touch the water. Yes, I can. I want everybody, come over here, you guys, to touch this water. Doesn't it feel nice? This water means, this particular bath means God loves you, just like you are. This one means God loves you. Can I touch you with the water? Just like you are. God loves you. Come here just like you are. So, what I want you to remember, what I want you to know, is that no matter what kind of water you're bumping into, like in the summertime, you might be in a swimming pool, or in the summertime, you might be in a fire hydrant, and the water could be making you cool, or you might be in your bathtub. Oh, good. Every sink, or, or where? On a lake. Yes, exactly, exactly, Carlo. Every single time you touch the water, I want you to say, 
This means God loves me. Can you say that with me? This means God loves me. One more time. This means God loves me. Did everybody touch the water? Okay, good. Let's say a prayer. Did you touch the water, Miss Marta? I don't think you got to get your hand in there, Missy. Did you get the water? Okay. Are we all good? Did you get the water? Okay. Let's say a prayer. Will you say a prayer with me? You can touch the water while we pray. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you that we have water. Thank you that we have water. And we pray. Pray. For all the children, all the children. Who, don't have clean water. who don't have clean water, and we ask that every time we touch the water, every time we touch the water, every time we touch the water, that we'll remember, that we'll remember how much you love us. Amen. Amen. All righty then. Let's see a hamba back to our seats. I will wipe up our wonderful wet mess, and I thank you so much for joining me in this moment. Amen. You're invited now to a moment of silence. Let us pray. God of all and not just some, we come to you this morning thinking of Syria for brothers and sisters struck by violence, struggling to survive through a civil war. For brothers and sisters struck by violence by the hands of their own government, and now by the hands of the US government. We've looked on with grief over the recent chemical attacks happening near Damascus. Children and young people and families and elders struck by chemical weapons fighting to survive, to breathe, with dreams to live again in safety. And it is all so terrifying and heartbreaking. And we know that your heart, God, breaks as well. We confess that we have often looked the other direction, that we've passed on to the next news story We've looked the other direction out of feelings of helplessness and disbelief. And while we have unauthorized military action happening through these airstrikes in Syria, we know this is not your way. That you call us to another way of being, another approach. There are also lives on the line in our nation black and brown people whose lives have not been valued. Lives cut unnecessarily short. Lives that have not been protected. Dreamers whose status hangs in the balance, who have been targeted 
and terrorized, put in detention centers, left waiting and questioning. We confess that as we look on Syria, we have closed our borders to these brothers and sisters, stopped welcoming those seeking safety and asylum, and we have a government bent on ending refugee resettlement programs. We are dismayed. We are grieved. So we bring these Syrian sisters and brothers to our minds and to our prayers. We bring the lives of our own people to you. We ask, God, that you would make us instruments of your peace. We know you hear the cries of your people, cries to bring healing and comfort. Come, Holy Spirit, and heal all that is broken in our lives, in our communities, and in our world. Through our lives and by our prayers, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. You're invited now to stand. You can link up hands with your neighbor or just hold your hands in front of your chest if you would prefer that posture. And we will pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. You can pray in whatever language or style you may have learned this prayer, but there's also an inclusive format in your bulletin. Let us pray. Everlasting and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. You're invited now to pass the peace, the peace that is our prayer. Thank you.
somebody from the band left their props. So. <laughs> Good morning, Middle. It is a privilege, a joy, and just a blessing to, to be with you all this morning. I'm Derek Harkins, and uh, I just have the honor and privilege of, again, being a part of the wonderful galaxy that circulates a part, as a part of this great community. Um, I bring you greetings from my, my day job, the Union Theological Seminary, and all of the folk who have been woven into the, the life of middle and vice versa over many, many years and certainly even now. So we just count it a joy uh, to be a part of this amazing movement. So, so let me just share that. I shared earlier this morning, um, I apologize a little bit for the slight raspiness in my voice. Um, my wife, Julie, and I were at church on... Friday evening, it just so happened to be that church was Madison Square Garden and the preacher was Billy Joel, but <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, the spirit got a hold of us and we didn't get, uh, we stayed on our feet pretty much for uh, almost three hours. Yes, indeed. Brenda and Eddie are still going steady in the summer of 74, amen? <laughs> All right, well, the last time I was in this wonderful position was December 31st of uh, 2017. And at that time, a lot of us, myself included, were sort of figuratively and literally looking at our watches. On one hand, looking for the dawn of a new year, which we are fully in now. But I also think kind of looking at our watches, thinking to ourselves, when will this bad soap opera end? And here's the report, subsequently. In so many ways, we're still looking at our watches. And I wish I could come up here this morning and, and talk about a, 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 an overwhelming measure of sort of newness that has broken through the dystopia. There have been, and there will yet continue to be, and we'll talk about that in this few moments, but there have been those moments that I think are deeply victorious. You know, uh, you don't get nearly a million people on the mall to speak about the injustice of, of, of ridiculous gun laws without there being some groundswell of compassion and, and, and a momentum. You don't let that happen just by happenstance. But unfortunately, those moments are still at best kind of episodic. And I was just thinking about it over this weekend, and thank you, Martha, for the power of, of that prayer this morning, because wouldn't it be something if the leadership, the governmental leadership of this nation said, you know what? Let's really use the strength that we collectively have as a nation. And, 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 you know, anyone can drop bombs. You know, there's nothing creative, there's nothing imaginative about that. And, and over the weekend, I've heard bravado and, 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 and from our UN ambassador, I guess, bravada about how tough we are. But never once in the space of this whole episode, have I heard anyone say the real strength of this nation will be to show 
compassion to those people who we've determined are victims and therefore justify us further destroying the nation in which they find themselves. Nobody's saying, let's open the doors to those Syrian refugees who we've pushed away. Nobody's saying that the real strength that we can exhibit as a nation is to show by opening our hearts, by opening our arms, by making ourselves available for those who are indeed seeking and yearning to breathe free. free. But no, so the easy route seems to be taken. The more we can rattle sabers and the more we can affirm in light of our own, and I'm not speaking about myself here, but those in leadership, in light of our own insecurities, just how tough we are, then somehow we're doing something significant. So, so unfortunately, the report is that some of these things still are yet to be dealt with. Well, I considered another theologian over the weekend as I was preparing to come to you all this day, uh, another great 20th century religious thinker, Sam Cooke. And he says in his song, a change is going to come. But if you listen to the good Reverend Brother Cook, it's a lament. There's hope for what can unfold in the future, but there's a lament about the weightiness of the present moment. And I suppose in some ways that kind of captures, at least for me, where I find myself. I find myself hoping and yearning and aspiring to the change that I know can come. But then, because I'm flesh and bone, I lament because of where I find myself and where I find the world around me to be in in this moment. So I'm glad. I'm glad for passages like the one we find this morning in 1 John. And, 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 and this is a, a reading from the lectionary that still captivates the sense of Eastertide. It's, it's a powerful passage that reminds us of the newness and the renewal that we had celebrated and continue to celebrate over these last numbers of Sundays, and we will yet continue to celebrate for Sundays to come is until Pentecost ar arrives. But, but the point is, is that sometimes we need to be reminded that in the bleakness of what seems to be unchanging, not just simply mediocrity, but unchanging despair, that the promise of God is this, that a change is going to come. And it's said profoundly here because what's said is we'll change, but it's not even yet fully apparent to us what that change will look like. Now, if you're honest, that can be a little disconcerting because most of us have a complicated relationship with change. I've been a pastor for a long time and I know church folk and there's a complication around the idea of change for a lot of folk. That's because on one hand, it, it gives us the possibility and the prospect of something that's new and bold and different. But on the other hand, it means that we got to change. So in this passage, what's being said is that 
it isn't even clear to us what that change will be. And, and while that can be on its face disconcerting, but stop and think for a moment. What you're really saying is, instead of me deciding what that change is going to be, instead of me saying, well, I'm going to change just this much, I'm going to advance just this much, what I'm really saying is that I'm open to the mystery and the power and the magnitude of a God who created me, a God who loves me, and a God who is in fellowship with me. And if I open myself up to that possibility, I don't have any idea what that change can ultimately be. Why would I limit myself with my confined sense of how it is that I can be shaped and fashioned in a way that honors not only who I am, the God who has created me. So the knowing is in not knowing that it has not yet appeared to us what we will become, but that God is at work in shaping that in which we are becoming. But before I go any further, we live in a context that's pretty first-person singular when we talk about change. And, and even in the spiritual context, when, when a lot of people think about what it means to, to, in their own lives, have a sense of spiritual awakening and spiritual depth, they often think about how that means that they're going to change and what that spiritual change means for them and how it's going to shape them in the context of even their relationship to God. And all of that is fine. You know, uh, amongst Many of our church folk, you'll, you'll hear the term, and understandably, you know, that, that I want to have an understanding of Jesus in a personal way, as a personal Savior, and that's fine. But if you stop there, you're being woefully selfish because the relationship God calls us to is not just for our own self-betterment, but how we, as we're shaped and fashioned and formed in a way that honors God, how we can be a part of a larger conversation that changes communities, that changes societies, that changes systems, that truly makes the impactful and transformative difference in the world that God is calling us to. So, so change is more than personal change. It's more than change that just simply makes me feel good about me. But it's change that brings me into the larger conversation of how I'm going to help change the landscape that needs changing. I mentioned all those hundreds of thousands who were gathered on the mall for the March for Our Lives. And I think about not just simply that, but all of the movements that are, are gaining a measure of momentum. And I'm convinced regardless of what the right wing says, that, that this is not about people just simply marching in, 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 as, as syncopants to, to what they're hearing from whomever. No, it, to me, understand, I understand it to mean that they are indeed being empowered to come into a measure of who they are. Our voices, our presence, and our power in this conversation because we realize how valuable and important it is for each of us, yes, personally and individually, to be empowered, but then to understand what it means to bring that together and truly begin to make change. So it's not just personal. And only, not only is it not just personal, this change that's talked about here, that we will become indeed like the, 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 the Jesus who, who represents the full embodiment of God's love and presence in the world. But not only is it not just simply personal, 
Maybe this is the, the opinion point in all of this. It's not erasure. For a lot of people think when they talk about change, it means that, well, that means I'm going to put away whatever it is that I am and somehow become something completely, totally new and different. But stop for a minute and think about this. The God who shaped you, created you, fashioned and formed you is the very same God who can take who you are, who you are right now, and allow for that to be honored, allow for that to be shaped into its fullest potential. So maybe the good news here is that you don't have to apologize for who you are. What a scathing insult it is to the creative hand of God for there to be a term like reparative therapy to even exist. How awful is it that anyone would think that somehow they are doing the work of the divine to, in other words, say that I want to inextricably alter what it is that God has shaped and fashioned in the first place. So, so the change that God is about in our presence and in our lives and in our world is making that which God has already shaped and fashioned into its fullest. You know, when you watch a, a potter, boy, this would be a perfect time for a sermon illustration in terms of a mound of clay here. But a potter can take that clay and, and it's the same clay. He doesn't have to, they, they don't have to add to it. But it's about taking what is there and shaping it again into the fullest measure of beauty and power and potential that it has. So I don't want us to be afraid of the prospect of change, thinking that we have to depart from the very authenticity of who we are, who it is that God has made us to be in the first place. What God seeks to use and who we are before God is already here. We ought to celebrate the fact that God can take us in the totality of our humanness and allow for us to be everything that God would have us to be. So the transformation of each of us is what leads to the transformation of societies and communities and systems that need transformation. We need to understand that yes, it, it begins maybe in a first person singular context, but then the value of that change, what God does in each of our hearts and lives, draws together with so many others to become what truly is the change that God seeks to have happen in the world. So understand this morning that God calls us to be our fullest selves and that change, systemic change, is bound up in our individual willingness to become change because we are each a part of the change that's coming. The Bible says, you know, don't grow weary in doing good because we'll reap if we faint not. There, there's, there's both an individual and a collective observation there. Don't grow weary because I think each of us, we all have the propensity to get tired in the struggle, to get tired in the battle. But we're called to find out 
how there's that something within. There's an old hymn we used to sing back, back in the Baptist church where I grew up, Jackie, where the baptismal pool was a little bit larger than this one, but that's okay. But the hymn we used to sing was something within me that holdeth the rain, something within me that banishes pain, something within me I cannot explain. All that I know is there's something within. So that's the personal transformative power that God has used in each of our lives or is using in each of our lives. The life that you bring before God, you don't have to be anybody different. But then understanding the power of all of our lives coming together under a banner of power, but more importantly, under a banner of mercy and compassion and love. So, it's more than just me, but it must be me. And change can be uncomfortable, but if we understand that change is about God using what already is us, maybe then change isn't so threatening. I don't know. <laughs> Again, Sam Cooke speaks to me when he says, the change is gonna come. It's been a long time coming, but a change is gonna come. I don't know what the factors are that will assure that change and when it will unfold. Some of the changes might happen because of some very temporal things. I don't know, maybe a certain, I don't know, special prosecutor might get their work done. I don't know. Maybe some more folk will turn up with some interesting histories and some interesting histories of payments. It's, I don't know. But I'm not banking just simply on that kind of change. But, but what I am hoping is that in the midst of all of that chicanery, that there are a few people in leadership who understand that it's better to have a backbone than to simply be complicit, to go along, to get along. So I'm hoping that as this change unfolds, that those kinds of things that need to change, change. I'm hoping, yes, I am, I'll, I'll make it clear. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I'm hoping for certain kinds of headlines that I'm hoping I'll be able to read in, in days, weeks, and months to come. And that's well and good, but you know what I'm really hoping for? That the change in each of us that girds us, that strengthens us, that reminds us that we are loved by God, that we are valuable by, of God, we are precious in God's sight, that we are reminded of that in every measure of our lives. And if there's any wavering from that right now, we ought to be reminded of the fact that we are works in progress. And while it may be a little foreboding, but it ought to in the ultimate be exciting, it has not yet appeared to us. Somebody just got their change call right now. <laughs> but, <I'm, laughs> but it hasn't appeared to us. That stands against any systemic oppression. That stands against any socio-political sense of, of, of 
keeping us from being able to be all that we can be because there's nothing that can stop the ignited spirits of God's people doing God's work. It may be a long time coming. I may have to come back months from now and the report might only be incrementally different. It may be a long time coming. There, there may be some exultant headlines and there may be some disappointing headlines. It may be a long time coming, but I believe that God is at work in each of us. It may be a long time coming, but a change is going to come. middle. I'm Danita Branham. And I'm George Winters. We want to tell you about the Butterfly Brunch Program this morning. 18 years ago, middle member David Ploth was trying to convince the homeless youth in Tompkins Square Park to get tested and maybe treated for HIV AIDS. It was a tough sell. Walking with him in the park, I said, people can't make commitments when their tummies are grumbling. With that, we started handing out a dozen or so brunch bags, hoping to transform the lives of those who received them. I came to Butterfly by accident. I actually was headed for another program, but I came on the wrong day. <laughs> and I saw Danita and some other very happy people working together to feed people. I guess how, God knew how much I like to make food for other people, so I guess he sent me there. Now the program has expanded. We make 180 sandwiches weekly to both Tompkins Square Park and Sarah Roosevelt Park. But the volunteer work is divided into three shifts as follows. At 9.30, the prep team makes all the sandwiches and puts them in plastic bags. At 11.45, the package team actually creates the bag lunches from the sandwiches. And at 1 p.m., the delivery team takes the three carts to the park and offers the brunch bags to anyone wanting something to eat. Anyone at all, no questions asked. Our shifts offer you a chance to be God's hands, to put a food in someone's tummy and a smile on their faces. And you can participate and not miss worship or brunch. Today was the start of the butterfly season, which runs from Thanksgiving, I'm sorry, from Easter to Thanksgiving, and even longer if the weather permits it. We need your help to deliver this revolutionary love into the world. Select a date and time, sign up online, or contact Cheryl Cochran here in the office. Then, when you sign up, show up. A hungry person is depending on you. The prophet Isaiah says, feeding people is part of the worship of God desires from us. Your donations make food ministry happen outside and inside these walls. Make a recurring donation of $40 a week, helps to fund worship and our feeding programs. 
Your gifts transform lives. See the folks with the clipboards after worship or go to middlechurch.org forward slash donate to sign up. It's easy. To learn more about Butterfly or to find out about joining our movement for love and justice, come to the Join the Movement station right here after worship. Thank you. the way 
Ever-loving God, we are so grateful for those who were able to give this morning. We are grateful for those who could not but are wanted to give their hearts to you. Dear God, we thank you for the change that we will be open to so that we will show the world how your love manifests in us and how we're able to take that revolutionary love into the world. We ask these blessings in your holy name. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Will you be seated for a benediction? We have a whole seven minutes to play with. Um, I wanted to invite everybody who volunteered for the conference to come forward. If you helped, if you ushered, uh, deacons, elders, served food, counted money, made books, glad music. All our staff, security. Novell, can you come in for a second? We'll be safe for just a second. Come on in. Novell, he's like, I don't want to come in. Come in. If you helped with the conference, I just think it's important to say thank you. Um, I'm so I'm so tired. <laughs> tired of playing the games. No, I'm so tired from the conference, but it was the most stunning thing that has ever happened to us as well. Just report after report of what a beautiful time people had, but we couldn't have done it without the team who did it, so I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you too, middle fact, family, people said your team was stunning and everybody in your congregation was so warm. So you were on the team, all of you were on the team. Thank you for being such beautiful hosts and hostesses so that we could put revolutionary love in the world as an ethic, a public ethic for justice. I give you Derek Harkins. Who is this man? Who is this strange man? Derek is in residence with us this year, and he's going to be helping us to do stuff with, um, with boys of color. He's going to be helping us to think about small groups and care. So I just wanted to say we bow to you, and we're glad you're bow here. Bow to you. Yeah. <laughs> now we can stand for the benediction. God lovingly but with every measure of divine purpose, lay your hands on us. As the potter brings forth the beauty of the clay, lay your hands on us that the change that you inspire, that you bring about, ultimately even more so gives you honor and glory for you have created us and in you we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lay your hands on us, prop us up on every leaning side. Lay your hands on us, lead us, guide us, and direct us into the work to which we are called. And as you do all these things, how certain we will be to always give you the honor, the praise, and the glory. In the name of the one who is indeed our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. And let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.